Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because, well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. We sure do. So... Are you looking for more sexpert advice to help you open up your mind and push your boundaries? Perhaps you have questions about how to get into the swinging lifestyle. On today's show, we're going to share an interview that we did with the Passion Podcast with Dr. Lori, as we share our story about how we fell into the lifestyle many years ago and explain the basics of the swinging lifestyle for newbies, as well as what you do if you're the, the jealous type. On this episode, Dr. Lori also gives her advice to listeners' questions about penis size, incompatibility with respect to being an introvert and an extrovert, masturbating, and then she tops it all off with a fun segment about sex in the news. Dr. Lori's podcast is a great source for finding out even more about sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. But before we get on to Dr. Lori's show, let's take a moment to tell everybody about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex but nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket, that's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. Absolutely. So this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to share this special episode of The Passion Podcast with Dr. Lori and John Pohl. We really hope you enjoy it. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Pohl. Soup up double-sized passion so you want to be a swinger. Where do you even begin? Dr. Lori, I think when it comes to swinging, is it wrong to assume that it starts with the man that's just like, hey, honey, we should, we should try this? Am I wrong to assume that it's something more men are interested in than women, or is it a 50-50 deal? No, you're not wrong. Uh, it is usually men who suggest it, but guess what? It's women who drive it. So it's women who decide uh, the guidelines, who decide the rules, and all of that. So yes, you're right that oftentimes it's more the men who might suggest it, but ultimately it's the women who control it. <laughs> At least that's what I've learned. Well, you know what? That's pretty much uh, like everything else in your <laughs> life, is it not, to a large degree? <laughs> oh yeah. So here you go. Here's the man thing. It's not fair. Women control the sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and everything else. But I've just come to understand it, and uh, you know, I have my little life hacks to get around it once in a while. But generally, I just accept it and and move on. It makes life much easier. Right. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> uh, so we'll get into how you talk to your partner about it. Where these folks meet and the rules we'll get to all of that coming up in just a bit yeah but technology and doing podcasts uh, for for you and i that came from a radio studio studio where they plopped us in a spot and and we just did our our shows now we're doing these podcasts and we both have learned o- over this course of 20 some ep- episodes that you can you can sort of skin the cat a hundred ways yeah and technology is so advanced now that there are things we're going to be able to do to invite listeners in. And I know you've had a lot of response from listeners as to like where they want things to go. Right. Well, it's interesting because we both come from a background of radio. Radio mm-hmm. makes you connected to people directly, right? So people call in and, and uh, you're connecting to your community um like on the spot, whether it's through text messages or, or what have you. So you feel like you're talking to somebody directly and it might feel a bit more personal or, or you're invited into their living rooms like on a day, you know, on a nightly basis, for example. It's a different feel for me and for them, I'm, I'm assuming. But I want to get that community back because we have... We had this amazing, like, passion had a, a, a help, people helping people kind of vibe community. Mm-hmm. And I want to get that back, you know. I want people to feel like they can be a part of the community, a part of even this podcast. And so we're going to find a way to integrate people into this. And I'm inviting our listeners who want to be part of panel discussions to send me an email, laurie at drlaurie.com, and uh, we'll, we'll just get them on the air. Like, it'll be a, a great way to uh, have this community back again and get that get that feel, which I'm missing, I have to tell you. That, that's the one thing. I love doing this with you, John, but I do miss my peaks. No, and I think what makes this version of passion interesting is I for now have been representing the audience because I'll follow up with a question Uh or a comment and uh, while I have my own quirky view of life it will be great to get some other people and you know women and and younger people and older people because there are a lot of topics that we talk about that that offer perspective from different angles and if we can add that perspective I think it makes it better for everyone yeah and I think we'll do that I think uh, we'll, we'll start getting back into our panels and it was always great to hear from like the baby boomer perspective and then you heard from the younger millennial perspective and so definitely it's something that we are uh, we're going to do we just we have to get our act together and get our our technology in, in check you know I'm, I'm not as savvy as I'd like to be but I will learn okay yeah we're getting there and look the reality is uh we're not in a race this is a marathon it's not a sprint so uh we're taking baby steps and certainly uh thanks to the montreal gazette who did a just a wonderful article not only about uh, terry demonte and ted bird and my podcast but also this podcast Uh and and, uh jillian page was the uh, reporter on that 
and uh, she certainly could not have said nicer things about uh, our, our podcast and chemistry, and that's just nice to hear from a random third party. Very nice to hear from someone who follows radio and follows podcasts and such. So, yes, it has been great to be uh, recognized in that way. We were named uh, the top 25 podcasts about uh, sexuality and relationships to look, to look for this year. So uh, people are you know, interested, <laughs> which is nice, yep. right? It gives us reason to, to do what we're doing. And we're in the business of trying to help people. We're not in the business of anything else but trying to get the word out, educating, and having some fun uh, along the way. Yeah, And uh, certainly we have been having that. So coming up, we'll talk about uh, how people get into swinging, and you'll hear from a couple that uh, have they, they started at the beginning and went all the way through it and now are quite successful in that world, helping other people and uh, are doing a podcast themselves. We'll hear from them in a bit, but let's go to the mailbag and your questions first. Love, sex, relationships. It can get complicated. We all have questions. Dr. Lori helps with the answers you need. We love your questions. You can submit them. DrLori.com And we start with this. I am writing in hopes you can pass along some guidance for me or someone like me seeking help. I'm an introvert in a relationship going on more than 10 years with my other half, uh, the complete opposite of me. An introvert with a shyness problem to add to the issue. My biggest problem is I have no one to talk to. When my spouse and I talk, the conversation turns a bit deeper. I try to bring up my feelings. She cuts me off mid-sentence and proceeds to tell me what is wrong with me. I go silent, then she cuts me off and apologizes. Happens again with the next sentence. I know she finds me boring too often, and that hurts. Uh, My time here in Montreal is still without real friends. Even a couple people I know at work, I'm not sure I can bring things like this up to talk about. Uh, An incentive... incident of flirting happened to me recently at work uh, over the course of several weeks and after telling this person I was not single I'm left with emotions and I find myself crying at times when I'm alone I care deeply and worry about her feelings more than my own perhaps one of your uh, passion podcasts you could let people like myself know where to turn it really does hurt Uh, over the years uh, and it's weird Dr. Laurie because uh, I'm probably a little bit more of an introvert Mm -hmm. uh, even even though people don't think that because I'm on the radio and I'm making jokes but when the microphone is off I I think a lot of people especially when they get to a certain age it's hard to make friends Mm -hmm. and it's hard to know who to have a real conversation with and sometimes the people you think you can have that conversation with they're either not ready for it or are not interested or maybe because of their own you know head mind space they're they're not prepared for it so that makes it very difficult for people in this situation i I can relate to this person's challenge right well you're you are definitely an uh an extroverted introvert this Mm -hmm. this guy i think is like just an introvert where he talks about being shy, right? So you don't just uh, have acquaintances and then start talking about your problems with them. Like that just doesn't, that's not how it works, right? But you have to find a community of people. You have to feel safe uh, to open up and talk to people. And in a relationship, it's the same thing. To me, it sounds like he doesn't feel safe with his partner uh, to open up and talk. I mean, that's the one place that you wouldn't be an introvert, would be within your relationship. I get it outside of the relationship, but can you imagine feeling shy within 
your relationship, that means that there's mm-hmm. a communication issue right there. So it, it sounds to me like the partner is not either not being very patient or compassionate. She shuts him down uh, rather than makes him feel safe to talk uh, to talk with. So to me, this is a, a perfect example where couples therapy can really help. Uh, a couple develop better intimacy, safety, vulnerability, communication, because ultimately she won't be able to shut him down in therapy, right? The therapist will say, no, you have, let, let's hear him out. Let's, let's let him express himself. And that's going to be very helpful. So I think that's a, a very good place to start when, when you realize that things aren't working or that you're, you keep redoing the same thing over and over again with the same results, it's time to get help, outside help for that. I want to address a couple more things, though, in, in this, right? So he talks about being accused of being boring. It could be. Yeah. It, it could be, right? Some people are content, let's say, in, in, in uh, what, what others might call a boring lifestyle. I can tell you that this, the research out there shows that the passion is increased in couples who actually do stuff. Like if you lead a passionate life, in other words, you have activities that you're passionate about separate from your partner, uh, that that you bring that back into your relationship. And for couples creating new things, and we've talked about this, you and I, and I've even you've even said you need to up your game on this, is that you need to do things with your wife or uh, yep. partnerships need to, to engage in new activities together, which will then breed more of that, um, more of that passion. And of course, that means less, uh, less boredom, right? The other thing I want to address too is the socializing part. He talks about friendships and lacking the friendships. Yes, it's very, it's much more difficult when a person is shy to try and create a, a social group. Luckily, though, with our age of technology, there are a lot of online forums just for men, just for men who want to talk about more uh, deeper things and intimate things and who can connect to other men who are very open to hearing this kind of thing. So I would say look for that. Look for these online um, forums where it's less threatening than in real life, let's say, right, especially if you're a shy a shy person. So that's that's a place to, to certainly to start and talk to a therapist for yourself as well to grow. And that's where I was uh, going to ask you. So we have a guy uh, that's struggling with some issues. He's acknowledging he's an introvert. Would you recommend he work on himself first or the couple first? Look, I, we're not going to turn an introvert into an extrovert. So it's not about him changing his personality. I think that you can change a relationship by changing yourself. You don't need to be in couple counseling to do that because remember, you're changing a dynamic. So if you if you alter yourself, it will naturally alter the course of, of the relationship as well. So you can start with yourself trying to figure out what it is you want to work on, uh, but I would not neglect the couple in this either because they have to learn how to communicate together and she might be doing things that are completely triggering him or turning him off somehow. So he has to learn how to either assert himself and set better boundaries and and be able to say what he needs better, which he can do on his own. And then with the couple, we they can learn a new dance together. Is this a guy we should recommend read the game, 
by Neil Strauss? No, I, I, I'm not. No, a, no, no I, I'm not a big fan of the game because I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't like games. I, I'm not. Right. You, you know me. I, I shoot from the hip. Like I, I, what you see is what you get, and I believe in that. In in that kind of level of honesty, to me, I. It's not about manipulation. It's not about being somebody you're not. Um, yeah, there's some good things in that as well, but it's not just about that. So uh, yeah. social skills training and things like that is, is different. I think that's a, in a generalized way. The game is more about how to get some, right? It's like how to get lucky kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's about becoming a pickup artist. But I was, yeah. I was thinking more of the confidence and the opening the eyes to just because you're an introvert or just because you're, you maybe view yourself as being boring, there is a way that you can actually approach people uh, and open up conversations and get to know people and give yourself that conversation, uh, that yeah. confidence to have a conversation with anybody. I wasn't necessarily thinking about picking up people. Okay, but that is certainly part of the game for sure. Right, right, right. Well, then in that case, I would I would recommend working with a coach who can okay. ha- who can help you with those kinds of um, conversations and interest and and how to do this. So there are coaches for that. Like Frank Kermit, we've interviewed him before. He he does that kind of thing too. All right, good stuff. Next question. I had a question about birth control pills. How long does it take for birth control pills to be effective uh, when you first start and when you're already taking them but have started a new month? So this is a good question. for. I, I know a lot of people, when they first get on the pill, there is that time you you know you start taking it, and then you're, you wonder when are you actually protected. Right. So here's when people are not reading the fine print. So in every package of pills that you take, you get a you get a information booklet. <laughs> now, obviously, you know sometimes the writing is really small, and there's a lot of writing on there, and you're like, ah, I don't want to read this. Uh, but generally speaking, when uh, you start taking the birth control pill, you're generally protected after one week of taking them for the first time. If you take them correctly, which is why you have to read the instructions, you're supposed to take them at the same time every day and you're never supposed to miss a pill and and all of that but other pills may take less time so read the information sheet that comes with the pills so that you know because I have no idea which pill you're on but once you're on the pill as long as you continue to take them properly month after month you're always protected there's no in between where you're you have to be careful that you're not protected but again it only works if you follow the directions like it'll work it'll be as effective as the the way you take them now i think that's great advice and so many people don't read the directions on really anything (laughs) um but i'm curious because i remember back in my high school days which was a gazillion years ago um having a conversation with a girl who who forgot to take a pill one day she was like oh crap i forgot to take my pill today um is that a normal reset like you then wait another week if you miss one, um, you're supposed to take it as an, uh, immediately as as you've forgotten, as like you remember that you have it. I'm not like again because I'm not a gynecologist, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't want to give advice as to how, what, why, and where. But uh, if you read the instructions, it will tell you. It, it's just that it's less effective if not taken properly. Right? The the pill is like 98 percent effective when taken properly. So that's where you have to, that's when you, you miss a pill or you miss two pills that week. You're no longer protected at that level. Can you imagine how ineffective the pill would be if men were taking it? 
because we never read the instructions. Right, and why? Ever. Why do you think? <laughs> why do you think? Like, John, there are pills for men. They, it, it can be done. It science is. Oh really? Sci- yeah, yeah, yeah. Science has already done that. Except there's your reason, right? Why? Why is it out on the market? Why is it only yeah. women having to take pills? There's already stuff that suppresses sperm production and things like that. But I think women want to be in control of their own fertility. And so if you ask women, would you be comfortable uh, if it was your partner having to take a pill every day? They might say, mm, not so much. I want to make sure he's taking it, you know. Yeah. We went to Ikea. He put that furniture together completely wrong. There were parts left over. He never even opened the instructions. I don't trust him. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we go back to the uh, classic question, and it's, it, there's nothing wrong with asking this question because when it gets asked, it's because so many other people have the exact same thought. Dr. Lori, my penis size is too small. Is it due to over-masturbation or anything else? Will it affect my sexual life? Look, if small penis is a part of uh, too much masturbation, every dude would have a small penis. <laughs> okay, good point, good point. Yeah. So some people, what's too small? I have no idea what he's talking about, right? So I'm just going to say the average penis size is around 5 inches erect. So most pe- most men will fit in the, the 5 to 7 inches, let's say, right? So too small is what, 2 inches, 3 inches erect? So I don't know what he's uh, what he's talking about. But penis size, like you just said, is not related to frequency of masturbation. I'm, I, at least I'm not aware of any studies, like scientific studies, that demonstrate that <laughs> masturbation has that kind of impact. And like you said, nobody would do it anymore. Yeah, he's he feel he's fearing he's grinded it right down to the nub. That's what he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, if your masturbation practices are somehow causing you pain because you're too aggressive with your own penis, then yeah, you might be damaging yourself, right? Um, the other thing that he asks about the the impact on his sex life. Here's what I can tell you: is that if you engage in excessive masturbation, and we could. De- debate what excessive means, Uh, but some men who do sometimes have trouble climaxing with other forms of stimulation. So like intercourse, for example, right? Or a partner doing, giving them a hand job or or whatever it is. So if you find that that's what's happening, uh, especially with your partner, then hold back on your masturbation activities and just start to get used to another form of stimulation, like retrain your brain kind of thing. Makes sense. Makes sense. So the small penis question, it's, um, as I always say, you didn't build it. Don't take any offense to it. Uh, There are lots of methods. You can have a wonderful, joyful uh, sexual experience with your partner and just be creative. And probably the only person worried about it is you. So just move on and get that out of your head. There you go. We love your questions about sex, love, and relationships. Uh, send them anytime, drlaurie.com. Passion for learning, life, and love. Coming up in Sex in the News, masturbation in the relationship. And ladies, this one's coming to you. All right, let's talk about topless travel. If you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply must book with topless travel. From Hedonism 2 in Jamaica and Desire in Cancun to all the Bliss Cruise experiences, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Their trips and events are all about the people. 
and their sexy fun experiences, of course. And let's shout out to all the sexy host couples, including Chelsea and Mark, who are there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. Hell yeah. You'll find us on many of the amazing topless travel trips, but listen up. The one we're really looking forward to is their sexy silver full takeover at Desire Pearl in 2022 from October 16th to October 23rd. We're going to be there broadcasting live and rooms are selling quickly, so book now. Come and join us for the week. We'd love to meet you. And for those of you booking your room before October 31st, there's a special deal being offered right now. So for more information about this trip or any of their other events, go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the Topless Travel Events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. All right, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. Now let's get back to the Passion Podcast with Dr. Laurie and John Paul. We are joined by Carol and David of The Sexy Lifestyle Podcast and website. They themselves have been swingers for the last 15 years. Uh, they've been influencers in the lifestyle. Now, most people who are swingers don't usually broadcast it the way you do. You have been out for as long as I've pretty much known Absolutely. you, of course. Um, I think we kind of outed you a little bit <laughs> on our previous show where it was, I think at the time you had younger kids and it yep. was it was a big question for you. Uh, before we get into how people can begin in this and like Swinging 101, I want to know what your process was and like how did you come to the conclusion that we, even though we have families and such, we have to, you know, we're going to come out. How did you even start to be swingers? Because you haven't been swingers your whole life. No, well, no. It, it's really all your fault, Lori. <laughs> right? Oh, great, yes. <laughs> because, because we actually went on your show and we were talking about, at the time, we had a dating site. And then we realized that, hey, we are on the air and we really didn't want our kids to find out from somebody else but us. So we said, okay, we had to sit down and have that age-appropriate conversation with them and tell them a little bit about our business and the fact that we were swingers. I mean, we didn't tell them everything. No, because the kids were between 6 and 16. Yeah, so, exactly. no, we, it wasn't a lot of things that they understood completely. However, we just wanted to let them know that um, if they had any questions that they needed to ask us, we were there to right. answer the questions. And really, the only one who asked was the eldest, my daughter. Right. And it was after a few days of digesting the information that she did have a few questions. Right. Um, it was kind of funny, you know, like she said, so does that mean that so-and-so and so-and-so's parents um, are swingers? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> But she was I absolutely right. But she was right. She oh, guessed she completely. Oh you know what? This is a. I think this is a great topic in and of itself, which I'd love to get you back on on the podcast to actually talk about coming out and is it necessary and how do you manage when you have children mm -hmm. and how do you do all that? Because a lot of the people I know who are, let's say, in the swinging community are also older. Some of them mm -hmm. are right. older and they they don't have to worry about young kids right. anymore. Mm -hmm. So or it's jobs, a whole different yeah. story. But there are, of course, you know, people. But one of the things ages. I do want to say was what a relief to get out in the open. It's such a freeing lifestyle where you could be your true, authentic self. And yet you have to hide it from your family, from yeah. your friends, from your neighbors. And so once we let it out and now all our friends, neighbors, parents, everybody, <laughs> kids, everybody knew, it really felt a lot better to be our true, authentic self right. that we were trying to be anyways. Right. So people walking by, those are the sweet <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> Here, that's like when on my street, Doctor Lori lives there. Right. Yeah, the sex doctor sex. lives there. Doctor. So it's like we all get it, right? Yeah. Regardless yeah. of how yeah. it is. Uh, so, just briefly, how did you guys get into the swinging lifestyle? 
Well, as you know, this is our second marriage. And when we first got together, we actually decided to be as open and honest uh, with each other as possible. It was a conscious decision to do that. So we started talking about the great sex that we were having, which we didn't do with our last, uh, in our last relationships. And so... Um, I dragged Carol away from work and we yeah. went to a topless optional resort in, in yeah, Cancun. exactly. So that was your first exposure. Literally. And- because okay. I had never even heard of the swinging lifestyle before. Imagine a world traveler, <laughs> open-minded person, but I just didn't even know it existed. Like most people. This right. is why we're talking about right. it today. Right. Although we hear more and more about it right. because of media and stuff. But we're talking 15 know, years ago. ago. Yes. Exactly. Uh-huh. Which was a different. Yeah. Right. So we went to this resort, Temptation, in Cancun. And we were sitting on the beach. And there was a couple next, a couple next to us. And he was massaging sunscreen into her tits. Out in the open, and I was like disgusted. Like, what is going on? I can't believe that he's doing that. And I'm Carol like, looks at me. Stop looking. And she <laughs> says, weird. "Don't even think about doing that to me." <laughs> Look where you are now, know, right? from 15 years ago. But oh, you know, David goodness. talks to everybody, so he started yes. talking with them, and uh, and then it came out, and I don't know exactly why, but we're easy to talk to, and it came out that they were swingers, and this from is England. their lifestyle, and that they were here on a vacation for the month, and they we were so curious that we asked them a million questions, kind of like your audience asks right. you those basic questions: how and why, and how do you do it? And before that week was up. We tried it. We decided we were going to try it. They invited us into their bedroom, yeah. and we got naked with them, yeah. and we had a soft swap experience. Right. And, and Soft uh, swap is, there was no intercourse. Right. It was just some oral sex. Okay. And, and, and fun play and we, flirting. And, yeah. Yeah, and so we did. And we, you were okay with that? I, like, yes. Carol, especially somebody who, like, oh, I'd never heard of this. Like, don't, don't I touch know. my boobs. Like, no. No, I, didn't, I <laughs> right? thought that this was so off. But that's kind of why that you want to do it in the privacy of where it's okay, where it's non-judgmental. And then we right. learned that that place we went to happened to be a non-judgmental place. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so that's why we love going on those types of vacations. Another topic again, right? Yes, another, <laughs> another topic. Podcast. Yes, and I do want to talk about that travel industry because it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to you guys about it. Uh, about cruise ships that yeah. are swinging and, yep. and all of these resorts that are opening up. So I think we'll we'll save that for sure, another time. Sure. But it's it's definitely something I want to explore. But after with we you. tried it, we decided that this is our lifestyle. We really realized that this is the fun, exciting world that we want to be in. Right. And because we had already established a really good connection with communication because we'd been together a couple of years already at this point, that we just continued expanding and learning more and trying more and more. And it's because we had those really basic skills of talking right. to each other. And then you became kind of spokespeople yeah. for, for the lifestyle. You know, you had uh, way back when you had a website for people meeting people yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Now yeah. you have a podcast and you've got all kinds of stuff going on. So right. yeah. you really have become yeah, we've the gr- it couple <laughs> when it comes to swing. Like you're the go-to experts, really. Yeah, I mean, we, we've really learned how to surround ourselves with people who have credible information. And there's so much crap out there on Google, on the Internet, that it's so important for people who don't know what they don't know to get the right information. I mean, you've been doing yeah, it for years absolutely. on your, your passion and show. And that's why we're very happy to, right. to talk about it because it really changed our lives. It really – we found – the real true person inside mm. it's not for everybody believe me no and that's the, and, and that brings me to our our swinging for beginners right mm-hmm. so i do hear from couples as a couples therapist where sometimes people bring it up and say hey what do you think about this or sometimes i see couples that are open who ha- are having difficulties and they're not so sure that they they were they felt a little bit 
not coerced into it, no. of course, never, never that way. But like they, they realized that it really wasn't for them, and they did it just for their partner. Mm-hmm. But I wanna, I wanna look at couples who start exploring, or, or at least it, they start to have the conversation, right? right? So, mm-hmm. how does one bring up if you're in a relationship and you're thinking, hmm, this is something I might want to do? How do you bring it up without freaking your partner out? Right. Who says, what do you mean, like? What? That's what you want to do? Like, you've got to test the water. So how do you do that? Well, I think it's the same for any type of topic, sexual topic, that you're afraid to bring up to your your partner. You just have to do it. You kind of got to plunge in, maybe ease in. Well, what we've learned over the years with all our guests is, first of all, you don't do it just before, just after you're having sex with your partner. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. In a safe place, really, where you feel comfortable. There's no kids around. And you use, like, our podcast, The Sexy Lifestyle with Carolyn David, um, is a great place, your show, Passion. There's there's lots of great podcasts out there to listen to with your partner that will help open up that dialogue. Because most people don't know, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. how to bring up that conversation. But listening to something, um, reading an article, reading a blog, and then using the words or the expert in there as that um, yeah, facilitator yeah. to start talking about the icebreaker right but yeah. really you just need to do it like really get your because if it's something you really want to you know open up to your partner you have to start with that conversation but sometimes you don't know right. so sometimes it's like couples who may be a little bored or they've been together a long time and they might say i don't know i i heard this people talk about swinging i don't know much about it but what do you think about that? Or is it something you would do? Like you have to test the water because mm-hmm. your partner might say, mm-hmm. I cannot picture myself watching you having sex with someone else. Forget it. Hard no. Ain't going to happen. Right. 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 And then you have others. Hmm. Maybe, yeah. you know, could be. Yeah. But, but the conversation isn't going to start. Hey, I want to fuck somebody else. The conversation is going to start. How about if we add a little spice into our relationship? And, you know, the same conversation can be had for a sex toy, for a threesome, for going to a sex club. Um, You don't have to bring a person in or take um, another cock in your mouth just to spice up your sex life. There's there's baby steps and you don't have to go from here to the end. You can go from here to where you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. you brought up Mm -hmm. like when you started, it was going to a a clothing optional resort, for example. And I know a lot of people have started that way. You can go watch. You yes. don't have to participate. You don't have to do anything. And you feel comfortable because it's 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 nobody's allowed. judging you. Yes, exactly. Right. And you're not breaking any laws or breaking any rules. And and you can discuss it with your partner. And you can watch and maybe participate or not. It took right. us a couple of days of talking to that couple before we decided we did want to try it. Right. Yeah. So besides going on vacation, going to these resorts, where do you meet such partners? Where do you meet like-minded <laughs> people who you can as, as play with so So really it's all about um it's an underground world and that's what most people don't realize (laughs) your neighbor could very well be oh i know it's an underground world yeah (laughs) and so this underground community actually has a lot of dating sites specific for swinging okay so the sites like for example lifestyle sls yes sdc.com those are the two biggest right in the world worldwide so when you make a profile on those kind of dating sites it's a profile for your couple you put your husband's information you put the wife's information and actually creating that profile together because it 
ask you lots of things like what are you into what are your expectations what fantasies you, yeah different things like that so just by doing that together with your partner filling in the questionnaire so that you can communicate that to your, hmm. your you know people who are looking and searching for you and you don't have to dive right in you can say well I don't know or perhaps this or you know and then you mm-hmm. can have a really nice explanation of we just want to meet a nice couple and maybe flirt a little bit or we just want to go right in and, and it forces you also to take some sexy pictures yes, because you have to too. put up something sexy not yeah, naked like, like dating right yes. you need to yes. appeal you have to be attracted yeah. or feel like there's some right because it's really based and taking just on sexy sex. people it's sex sorry and taking sexy photos is sometimes just that titillating little, titillating it's that mm-hmm. little bit of spice and it's just for your partner so you feel like okay i can do this my partner can take my picture and then you d- decide together are you comfortable putting those online yeah. You know, because once you put it online, right, you know, it's up there. It's <laughs> up there. Exactly. But I'm going to go back backwards many years before technology. And there's some folklore out there that um, if you went and it started in California, if you went to the grocery store and you took a pineapple and you put it upside down in your grocery cart, it meant you were in the lifestyle. You were a swinger. <laughs> so there are, pineapples are very big in society today. So yeah. if you see someone with a T-shirt or um, a keychain or something and there's an upside-down pineapple on it, oh, wow. they are in the lifestyle. That's, <laughs> That's one of the iconic hysterical. things that you see all right. the time, that upside-down pineapple. Do you have numbers, like statistics, of how many people are in the lifestyle worldwide? We, we have heard that uh, it's not studies that we did, but some people we've interviewed, and I can't really remember um, exactly where it came from, but we have heard that it's about 17% of the population who identify as open-minded, maybe in the lifestyle of some sort. Wow. And up That's to 4% are who are swinging, sharing their partner for sex. So the okay. lifestyle doesn't have to include sharing your partner. Right. It could just be you're open maybe to flirt with other people or be around someone who is also open or maybe just being comfortable going to a resort and watching someone else having sex beside you. Right. That means you're open and you're in the lifestyle but not necessarily swinging. And okay. one thing that has changed since we started swinging 15 years ago, um, it's become a lot tamer. So there's more people coming in to explore sex and sexuality but there's a lot less hardcore swingers. So when we started going to these resorts or going to um, the sex clubs, clubs yeah. um, there'd be orgies and foursomes and moresomes and everybody on the same right. bed and fucking right. and all this going on. And now you see a lot more couples having sex in public, having sex in the playroom, but having sex as a couple. Right. So that's the that's yes. what I've noticed yes. too. Because the couples I'm uh, like counseling, for example, who are – uh, more open-minded that's exactly what they do mm-hmm. they're like let's go to a swingers club montreal has some every city yeah, probably yeah, has some uh where they they go in saying look we're, we can only do this like i'm only comfortable doing let's just go let's just look maybe we'll have sex with each other in public mm-hmm. and what have you mm-hmm. then they can go home debrief right. okay now do i want more do we do right. more so uh it's a it's a good kind of a way to introduce yourself to that but i but you're right it's so much tamer than but it's getting much bigger with people who um because of netflix and and we just saw sex life which is fantastic sex education Mm -hmm. um there's 50 shades of gray all that stuff has helped people open up their dialogue about talking about sex and what else is available out there now you you asked the question earlier you know how do people get into it the first thing we have to say is there's three rules Okay. When it comes to swinging, mm-hmm. which is ask first, 
No means no. And if you don't get an enthusiastic yes, it means no. Big consent conversation. And respect is absolute. And that was already in this whole lifestyle prior to any of the Me Too movement. It's really consensual non-monogamy and that consent is paramount. Right. So the other thing when it comes to consent, because it's a a good question, when you have a part, uh, like a couple, and one partner is kind of wanting it, the other partner not so much, and one keeps pressuring, you know, suggesting it over and over and over again, where the other partner ends up saying, fine, I'll do it. Mm. That's not consent. Mm-mm. No. You see, that's Mm-mm. submission. Mm-hmm. Right. And at that point, that bites you in the ass. And I've seen that. I've seen that We've happen. We've seen it too. Yeah. So but, I think what you said is, is absolutely right. The enthusiastic yes. consent, even as the introduction, forget the sex with other people right. and, and consent with other people, right. with your own partner. Yes. Right. That it has to be some level of enthusiasm, cons- not just, right. I'm going to do it to shut you up right. because I don't want to hear this anymore. And the no. fourth rule is we never take one for the team. Uh-huh. So if both people aren't all in, it doesn't happen. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never take one for the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because That's sometimes good. you'll meet a couple and, you know, maybe they're attractive, maybe they're not, but you're not really sure. And if I'm not feeling it, I go, no, I'm not into this. And it's not that they're not nice people, but it's not really what I want to do. And I, right. the last thing you want to do is get in a playroom right. and be naked and say, sorry, I got to leave. Right. You know? And even if, if, if David's into the other partner and you're not, no. you're not taking no. one for the team. Right. Okay. No. And, and, but and, they also, the other couple is doing the same. They're assessing us. Are they comfortable playing with us as well? And they might find that maybe one of the two is not. And it would be, it's mutual. The four people type, have to agree. There's different types of swinging. Carol and I, our rule is same room, same bed, same pile. But there are pe- other couples who play separately, and there's other couples who go on vacations with other people, and it's, it's whatever's good in their couple. Um, but um, both people have to be on the same page. It can't be, all right, you go do whatever, and I'll do whatever. Yeah, and it's right. not like you say, well, you're, you show up as a single and say, well, does your wife know you're here? Oh, yeah, 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 or she doesn't care. Well, right. no, no, that's no. not what we're into. So that's important. It's not even that. I think the guidelines, uh, it's not a free-for-all is what, no. is what I think what we're saying. So anybody who is venturing into this world has to know that there are far more rules and guidelines than you would think. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And more, even more conversation than you would have if you're just vanilla. For sure. For so sure. you need to have these conversations about what are the rules? What are the guidelines for us? Mm-hmm. Right? right. You just described your guidelines, right. but other couples may have their own. Right. So I think that that's the uh, very important. Step. And the ultimate goal when you do anything related to the alternative lifestyle, swinging, um, anything that's a little bit different from the norm is when you're finished, it has to strengthen your couple. If you're doing something yeah, that's going to hurt your couple, it's, it's not going to be good. Right. And if you're going into it to fix your couple, you're going to crash and burn. So Carol and I go into every situation. We come out. You mentioned before you debrief. And what did we like about this? What could we do better? What you know, um, can we take into our own couple and incorporate it because Carol learned how this guy likes his cock suck differently than I do and what did this girl do to me that I liked and we talk about it mm-hmm. and we have great conversations mm-hmm. and um, the same way on our podcast we learn from our great guests we learn from all the couples we play with how to have better sex between us right I think these are those are important words that mm-hmm. uh, there are takeaways and the debriefing is important the conversation is important what happens when feelings come up because this is a question i'm sure you get all the time all the time is there jealousy like if you're a jealous person this is not the lifestyle i'm sorry but you know like like you said david you've got to 
you got to know your own limits as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? You know, like, how, I mean, it could come up. Maybe you're not a jealous person, but right. suddenly it comes up. What do so, you do with that? So, and it does, and it has. Jealousy is, of course, a natural feeling. And sometimes you don't know how you're going to feel in a situation. Even after swinging for many years, it came up at one time. And, and of course, jealousy is about the security of the couple, yes. right? So when you're a very strong and secure couple, there's less jealousy. Even if it pops up its head, you know, you can calm yourself right down and get right back into it. But I know one time it happened to me, and I was quite surprised because we were five or six years into it, where I happened to be watching David having sex and then kissing this girl, um, Real deep kissing, like, you know, like, like real intimate kissing, intimate kissing right. and really getting into it. And normally that's part of our sexual thing. We like doing that, but it just, like kissing. it just hit me in a particular way. And I had to tell him about it afterwards. Not enough for me to stop and, oh my God, because I right. know I am secure with him and right. I know that I'm going home with him. And I know he's my husband who loves me very much, but I was surprised. I even surprised myself that that jealousy came up at that moment, but we did talk about it. So now he knows that if he's going in for that intimate kiss, just don't keep prolonging it. Like, you know, get what you need out of it and get out of there. That's right. <laughs> so he, and he's I respectful think, of my needs, right. in other words. So I, I was working with the, these individuals who were non-monogamous, consensually non-monogamous. One was swinging is fine. It's great. I don't mind. I like having sex with other people. It's good. But n- no emotions attach. I, I need to like the person, but right. no emotions yes. attach. But her partner wanted more. Wanted, I would say, more poly types yeah. of relationship, which is developing feelings and yeah. relationships, deeper relationships with other people. And that didn't work, right? Because no. that's yeah. you're not on the same page. So right. being and on well, the same page is yes. important. Well, polyamory is similar to swinging, but it's not the same in any way. So no, if, you're, if you've same, agreed yeah. to get into swinging, which is really, you know, we are emotionally monogamous – but we like to have sex exactly. with people. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's not what you agree to getting into it. So that polyamory is a whole nother yeah. world and a whole nother discussion. So there's sexual monogamy and there's emotional monogamy. Yes, right. yes. And then there's that compersion where you're watching your partner having sex with someone and it's turning you on because and you're seeing them you, have a good time. And it's making you feel really right. good. You want your partner to enjoy life right. and get the best out of everything. When I get that question, I always remember those words, David, because I've interviewed you before and both of you and, and that you've said that to me because I know I've asked you, like, how do you feel watching? And guys are saying, how do you watch your wife getting fuck, screwed yeah. by somebody yeah. else? And and you said it's compersion. Yeah. I enjoy mm-hmm. watching her enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other question was, how do you... What if the other guy is better than you? You know, you learn, uh, it, right? <laughs> Your answer is you learn. And by you the way, it doesn't make you lot. insecure. <laughs> sure, <laughs> right? Or right. bigger than you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, for guys, bigger's that's a not big deal. better. See, like she's saying, yeah. David, really? Like, yeah. put it back in your pants. Like, it's, it doesn't matter if it's bigger. Okay. <laughs> That's not what makes a good lover, really. We were playing with a, we were playing with a guy at hedonism, and he was bigger than me, and we were doing double vag, and he was in, and I went in, and he squeezed me out, and Carol was having a good time, so it wasn't about me; it was about Carol. It was all good. <laughs> okay, another conversation. For another conversation. Business. Okay, I don't know. Uh, anyway, if you want, if people want to find you, uh, where can they go? You're giving us a lot of information, but I know you uh, you have information out there, and we'll definitely have you back on because I have way more questions for you. Um, where can people find you? It's very simple. Just go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com. You will find everything, all our guests, all our shows. Um, our podcast is called The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Um, and just go to our website or any streaming platform and you'll find it there. Wonderful, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Always great to see you. Always a pleasure. The headlines to head boards.
This is sex in the news. Oh, the headlines are never, ever quiet when it comes to sex in the news. Dr. Lori, we start with the headline, Changes in Americans' Views on Sexual Morality in the Past 20 Years. I have said this many times that for some reason in North America, and our, our brothers and sisters in the United States specifically, for some reason, we're so open-minded on so many other topics, but when it comes to sex, that's when we just we turn away. And Europe has a more open flair for that. Uh, has that changed much in the last 20 years? Well, uh, this was a study. Um, well, Justin Lee Miller, who I, I love as a sex researcher and has, has written a bunch of books and, and has done some great stuff, reported on this. And... Um, he was reporting on a Gallup uh, 2021 moral issues survey to look at America's Americans' views on sexual uh, morality. And thankfully, yes, we continue to become more liberal overall. So that's the good news. But there are some issues uh, that maybe not, not so much. So uh, he reports, among the more notable changes are that Americans are increasingly comfortable with same-sex relationships sex between unmarried adults, divorce, and having children outside of marriage. However, while significant shifts have occurred in the, those attitudes over the past two decades, Americans' attitudes towards other sex-related issues, such as abortion uh, and infidelity, have not changed quite as much, which I think I would expect, more or less. Um, he reports that the most dramatic change to occur is that a large majority of Americans now believe that gay and lesbian sexual relations are morally acceptable. Uh, public opinion on this issue has shifted in a major way since 2001. Back then, most Americans believed that same-sex behavior was immoral. However, that has notably changed alongside the important social and political gains made by the LGBTQ plus community in recent years, and of course, we know legalized marriage across the the nation now, right? So, uh, Canada, the U.S. So that's a, that has certainly changed a whole lot. Uh, he also, uh, Justin Lee Miller, goes on to say, sex between unmarried men and women and divorce were rated as the most morally acceptable behaviors in two thousand and one, and they continue to lead today. By contrast, both consensual non-monogamy, so. Uh, they asked about polygamy, for example, and non-consensual non-monogamy, meaning cheating or infidelity, are still the least um, accepted. They also looked at porn use um, and sex between teenagers. So most Americans appear to find these issues morally unacceptable, which is interesting, right? Because most people have sex as teenagers and most people use porn at some point. So that's the hidden part that you were talking about, right, John? Is yeah. It's the stuff that people are, are not talking about. So, um, And yet, what, what's so interesting is that um, in those places in, where there's these conservative sexual values, you're seeing the most porn use. So, what, I, uh, I often wonder with these surveys whether people answer the question with what they think they're supposed to say not what they actually believe you know what i mean like we, we know that teens have been having sex since the 50s and 60s and 70s yeah and 80s yeah, and yeah 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 like, this is not new and any adult 
that is in the position knows damn well that when they were young, that's what was going on. They know, you know, I know as a 15-year-old boy, I had already seen some porn. Now, it wasn't to the ease of access that exists today, but I just wonder when you, if you ask a mom or a dad about teens having sex, if they just go, I think as a parent, the right answer is to say, no, they shouldn't be doing it. Or and when it comes to porn, saying, oh, no, they shouldn't be looking at it. Because that feels like the right thing as a parent Maybe. to say. When, when in reality, they when they're sitting there, like I, my wife and I talk about our kids all, all the time, and I'm like, look, I know they're doing it. <laughs> exactly. I, I, it, it, so we just have to have the conversations about how to be safe and how to be respectful and how to be understand. Like, that's our job. Yeah. Our job isn't to tell them, no, 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 no. Because we know that as soon as we say no, 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 worse things it might accelerate they might not be thinking about it till I say no then they're like well if he says no I don't know this it must be good and it's also not what you believe so if I asked you is it immoral you're going to say no it's not immoral but it doesn't mean you you want your children to do it so it's not about that but I think uh, you know bottom line is our sexual attitudes North America or Americans overall it is becoming increasingly liberal however there's still a large chunk of Americans that hold conservative uh, sexual values, and this divide is actually regional. So attitudes are more liberal in the Northeast and West and more conservative in the South, which we know that already. Like, this is nothing... Yeah, uh, for everything. You know, and versus conservatives and liberals, like Republicans or, or Democrats, for example. So it, this is why it's so controversial when you hear about what's going on in certain states and, and what they're trying to ban and what they're trying to, you know, all these things, it goes state by state. So it depends on the region, uh, the region that you, you're in. I don't think that's going to go away, right? Like this is, this is sticking around. So yeah. yes, we're more liberal, but not where we, not where I would like us to be, not where you would like us to be, but that's just the way it is. Well, I can tell you as a guy that's been, uh, Involved in talk radio since I was 18 years old, and I'm now 47. It just shocks me that abortion is a conversation that continues because it just it seems to come up in a cycle, becomes a huge conversation, and then everyone sort of goes to their corners, and then it you know we kind of move on with the way it probably should move along, and then it rears its head again. And I just um, it's kind of like pot in mm. Canada, at least you know it's kind of like hey, we've gotten to a point where it's like hey. It, you can do it and you can make your choice that's right for you and that's to me that's how it should be is like hey if you want to do something I'm okay with you doing something that you feel is right for you I'll do what's right for me and then if I have values that associate why I make my choice if I want to share those values with my family and friends I will do so and you share your values with your family and friends it doesn't have to be an on off or all or nothing switch it can be a hey let's you know, you make your choice, I make my choice. But uh, it just seems that uh, I, I think it's probably a, an endless circle. Unfortunately, very divisive, very divisive and yep. very politicized. And so that that's that's where I just can't anymore. I just yep. I just can't deal with these issues in a political sphere. It just, ah, uh, ah. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's where it gets frustrating is it's like uh, someone shakes the tree just because they need the cover of the newspaper so they can get reelected, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, uh, you know, again, that becomes a problem. Yeah. Uh, also in the news, how similar or different are the sex lives of gay and straight men? And this, to me, is one of the most fascinating questions 
because I think a lot of straight men believe that the lives of gay men are easier because they're dealing specifically with dudes in their life. Like, like, hey, watching football on Sunday would be easy because we both want to do it. Hey, we all, we're all we horny all the time. We'll have sex all the time. Like, I think there's a perception that guys sometimes, especially straight guys, go, oh, my Lord, it's so much easier. Uh, and I'm sure that there's a stereotype that gay men look at straight men and go, oh, man, you don't know how easy it is. You get a break once in a while. Um, so what are the headlines saying? So th- this is interesting. It's a limited study because it only looked at uh, gay men in relationships and straight men in relationships. It didn't look at single gay men and, and people who are involved in, let's say, a consensual non-monogamy or in uh, friends with benefits or anything like that. So it really looked at who are the people who are in relationships and are they that different? I can tell you just from a clinical perspective, like in my practice as a a marriage counselor, what have you, I see uh, gay couples and straight couples with pretty much the same problems, right? They don't differ all that much in their dynamics in my office, but that's in my office. So uh, again, this is uh, Justin Lee Miller. You can check out his uh, his website for, for much more information, but he talked about this. Uh, about this recent um, study that was published in the Journal of Sex Research that wanted to look at the similar versus different men's sex lives, uh, you know, whatever was on their, their sexuality based on their relationship um, status. So they they looked at almost 4,000 gay and heterosexual men in relationships who were matched on, on different levels, and they completed um, a survey that looked at the uh, different sexual practices and their level of satisfaction. So there were a couple of important uh, similarities and a few differences. So uh, in terms of how often they reported having sex, gay and straight men actually didn't differ. Uh, Hmm. On average, they reported having sex about seven times per month. So it wasn't a major difference between gay men in a relationship and straight men in a relationship. They also didn't differ on overall sexual satisfaction. So more than half for both groups reported being uh, sexually satisfied. So that was a, a good thing. The most of the differences, though, came out where uh, with the types of sexual behaviors that were reported. So heterosexual men were less likely than gay men to engage in, of course, this would make sense, in anal intercourse or anal stimulation. Uh, They were less likely than gay men to engage, to give and receive oral sex, to engage in mutual masturbation, to watch porn with their partner, to share and act out their fantasies, and to engage in threesomes and, and group sex. And heterosexual men were more likely than gay men to say their partner wore sexy underwear, uh, to make date nights, to give or receive massages, to switch positions during sex, and to incorporate food with sex. (laughs) So, you know, earlier you were talking about sex being driven by, by women, and you were making a joke about that, but... Hey, yeah. you know, gay men, do they care about sexy underwear? Do, would you care as a gay man if your guy was wearing sexy <laughs> underwear? Uh, so things like that, right? So driven by women in, in a way and what women um, what, what women need. The other thing is uh, heterosexual and gay men reported similar levels of sexual communication uh, overall, uh, but some intimate communication behaviors different, differed. Heterosexual men were more likely to say, I love you during sex. Uh, and gay men were more likely to talk about their 
sex fantasies. Again, is it because straight men kind of know this is what women need and, and need that kind of connection? You know, we, we don't know. It doesn't really answer. We can only... We can only really hypothesize about these kinds of things. But so interesting. I think more similarities than differences, ultimately, at least in men in uh, gay and straight uh, relationships, not not just sex lives, but relationships. I liked your observation about what the couples are like when they're talking to you in a couple situation and that you see a great similarity uh, no matter uh, their sexual preference. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you were saying that, I thought to myself, you know, one of the things I love about uh, my friends that are in gay relationships and I, I don't know, maybe maybe I notice it more because it's not my normal situation, but I love how they talk about their partner. They, they just seem to, like, be more um, exuberant and excited about their partner. And whereas, I don't know, husbands and wives, and maybe it's because I've been married longer. Husbands and wives, like, sometimes you meet a couple and you just, you wonder if they actually like each other. Yeah, that's not <laughs> <You're> good. Like, <laughs> no, like, you're like, you leave and you're like, hey, they really like each other? I don't know. Like, they, they kind of are joking around. And my wife and I joke around, too, so maybe some people have that impression about us. I don't know. But, I like, all my buddies that I know that, uh, you know, are in a gay relationship, when, when I'm with them, like, and they're talking about their better half, like, you can tell they are, like, super proud and excited. And, and I'm just like, wow, that energy is just, I, I am, I envy that energy. Well, learn from them then, John. Learn yeah. from them. You know, you get excited about it. And maybe it goes back to... You and your wife need to do more exciting things together so that you get yes. you build a little more of that excitement within within your marriage and then maybe you'll talk more excitedly, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean I, I like to brag about my wife all the time, but just it's a different energy. I can't explain it. Uh, <laughs> co- coming up we have a crazy sex story that involves uh, porn and apple cider vinegar. And a penis. Um, <laughs> but one more uh, headline masturbating when in relationships. Ladies. <laughs> so, yeah, this was uh, some research done, again, research uh, in quotation marks, okay, uh, because it's a survey uh, of a thousand women uh, anonymously uh, put their sex lives on the line, so to speak, uh, to give some, you know, telling statistics about, about sex. Again, always take with a grain of salt. These are not scientific studies by any means, but they are surveys of people. So it turns out uh, that they looked at masturbating or masturbation habits while in a relationship and out of a relationship. So what they found, and I'm just going to break down these statistics for you, uh, they ultimately found that coupled up, women aren't really doing much of the solo sessions as much as their their single counterparts are doing, which kind of makes sense as well. 10.7% of ladies in relationships never masturbate. Only 3.5% of single women say the same. Uh, 14.6% of coupled up women masturbate less than once a month compared to 9.1% of single women. 14.6% of women in a relationship Uh, masturbate once a fortnight, they say, while 17.4% of single gals fit it in the same time frame. What's a fortnight? (laughs) How many many Uh, weeks is that? I forget. (laughs) I don't know. It's a popular video game, too, so there's that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And 45.8% of coupled-up women 
Um, you see, I can tell this is British, right? Have a wank once a week or more. So <laughs> uh, that's compared to 60% of single ladies. So uh, this is just comparing women in relationships versus women, single women. Now, of course, we can hypothesize. Married women may not feel as comfortable masturbating, sleeping with, while their partner is sleeping next to them. Maybe that's a, a factor. Maybe the factor is when they're horny, they have their partner to have sex with, so they feel less of a need to masturbate. You know what I mean? Like, what's the bottom line here? They don't offer any explanation. They just give you the statistics. So I don't know if they're if they have any meaning whatsoever. I got to think when it comes to younger women these days, I think masturbation is a topic that is way more wide open than maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. So I can see that generation, you know, openly talking about it. It seems to me the the group of women that are missing out are the married women, and I'm going to guess their their masturbation levels are slower because they just don't have the time. Yeah, they, it could they're be. not alone. And then right. you hear divorced women talk about it, and it's like you've you've let you know you've you've let the uh, you've opened up the barn doors, and all the animals are going wild to their freedom. <laughs> That's true. Because women who are divorced, who then find themselves with the free time, it's like they found you know the promised land. <laughs> ah! And I wonder if they realize. Oh my lord! I don't. I can't believe what I've been missing all these years. Maybe I would have been so much happier in my marriage, you know, if I had, uh, you know, peeled one off once in a while. Yeah, maybe. Listen, it's good for you, so I'm not. I, I'm a big proponent, but I'm also not going to judge women who don't. Right? It's it's like no, it, yeah. It's your own. It's your body. I think that if uh, you're satisfied generally with whatever's going on, then then great. But I certainly. Would encourage women to try. There's some amazing toys out there. Uh, there's a new one out on the market called the Womanizer, which I'm hearing. I'm hearing <laughs> from girlfriends that it's a game changer, especially for older women. Like we women talk about this, you know. What a great name! I know. Womanizer. I know. <laughs> But, but you know when I when I sit around with girlfriends and what have you, we do talk about sex toys. They they make their recommendations, like they talk about it. Say, oh, try this one. Oh, you know, there's this one out, and that's how I heard about it through friends. Yeah. So that's uh, again, I think it's one of those things that um, everybody has their own take on it. But I've just I've heard women on sort of both ends of marriage, before marriage, you know, that kind of crazy single life, and then. The women, after they've been divorced, they find this freedom, and it's like their life changes. And, um, you know, I think just everyone have some open minds, try something <laughs> out. Get get the womanizer set on high. You never know. Your life could change forever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the womanizer. <laughs> that, another great T-shirt. Yep. I own a, wom- I own a womanizer. That's right. That's, there you go. Uh, crazy sex story. A porn site ad that says apple cider vinegar on the penis will help it grow. Uh, experts are weighing in saying, no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, please please don't do that. This is bad. So apparently there's an ad uh, that, I don't know on which site or what have you, but it's an image of uh, veiny animated penises being stuck, <laughs> being stuck into bottles of apple cider vinegar with a text, this weird trick makes any penis increase by 65%. Uh, percent, Okay, which, of course, is a bunch of uh, BS. So this is not something you should try. Um, 
And also, the ad talks about a pill that supposedly helps enlarge your penis too and increases uh, testosterone levels, penis size, stamina, corrects erectile dysfunction. All not true. So please, before you go grab your apple cider vinegar, which is good for other health purposes and for cooking and, and things like that, it will not work. And not only will it not work, it'll burn the shit out of your penis. Like, why would you want to do that, right? Uh, so just quoting a few experts here, there is no evidence that it will get you harder or larger. It is thought that this old folks tale originates from the fact that apple cider vinegar can be good for your cardiac health and blood flow. Taking it orally, it can help lower your cholesterol, but bathing your penis in it can make you smell like a chip shop. <laughs> That's one quote from a doctor. <laughs> Uh, anyway, no evidence whatsoever. Another one says, not only will it sting like hell, it could actually burn where you have applied it. Damage to your skin can lead to infection, and nobody wants an infection down there. There, Guys, there are no miracle cure, cures out there, no ads. These are snake oil they are placebos. There is no permanent way to extend the size of your penis. Sorry to say, there just isn't. Uh, at least not yet. There is a, a doctor who's working on something, and we interviewed this urologist at some point, so uh, you can look up on that podcast. But just learn to love the penis you're born with. Man, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. Yeah, if you're if you're at a point now where you smell like a a French fry truck, <laughs> unless that's your kink, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, to me, that's just so funny. It's like, <laughs> ay ay There you go. Uh, when it comes to the uh, penis size uh, episode, that was uh, podcast number three. If you uh, sort through your passion podcast, <laughs> Thank and you, you want to. Find out which uh, which podcast help you with your size. It's one that actually is entitled uh, "How How to Find Passion." Okay, what about penis size? That's uh, available <laughs> for you if you'd like to dig through the archives. Right, uh, Coming up on the uh, next edition of Passion: Sexless Marriages. Could you do it? Yeah, could you live without it? Anyway, gotta wrap this one up. But uh, John. Always such a pleasure. I want to thank Stephen Boyce, yes, our uh, our, our musical uh, genius who provides the music for here. Uh, one of our sponsors, Essence Three Hundred and Sixty. You can look them up. They have beautiful fragrances and and um, room. Uh, what do you call them? Essential oils. And of course, I want to thank Linda Delisi, our passion researcher, and all of you for tuning in. And remember, if you want to be part of the show, just email me, Lori at drlori.com. And you can be part of this uh, this podcast as or any podcast, future podcast as well. John, thank you awesome. so much. Thank you. Our next podcast will be out on Tuesday, so watch for that wherever you're doing your podcast downloads. And uh, make sure you leave a, a comment, a review, the algorithms, likes, all, all that kind of stuff. And we'll chat next Tuesday, Dr. Lori. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. To submit questions, business inquiries, or just to connect, visit drlori.com. Thank you for supporting Passion. Wow, that was another great show with so much great information about swinging and so much more. Thanks to Dr. Laurie and John Paul for the fun interview. And a special thanks to all our listeners for joining us week in and week out. 
And remember to join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe and, of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 